Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan. Welcome into this edition, a little different edition of 48 Days Online Radio today. This is one of our theme topics. Now, this comes from a podcast that I did a couple months ago, where the theme for that one was stay away from negative friends. Now, I talked about my three-hour rule, where I'll spend three hours a year with negative friends, but certainly not three days or three weeks on a vacation. You know, I often share that um, businessman Jim Rohn once said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, as a result of that podcast, where I said, stay away from negative friends, I knew there was an elephant in the room, and I know I didn't address it fully, but you all as the listeners called me to task real quick on it because I had a whole lot of you ask this question, Dan, I just listened to your podcast about staying away from negative people. What if the negative person is your wife? Now, I got both. Believe me. What if it's my wife or what if it's my husband? We also heard from people who not only were pointing fingers, but also people raised their hand and said, hey, that's me. That's what you just described me. So we're going to talk about that today. And I say we literally because instead of just me today, I thought because of the nature of the topic, I need to bring somebody in. Well, you can guess where I'm going with that. I need to bring in my own spouse. Joanna and I are very different, but I need to bring her in to get her input. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, some of our own experience. We're going to integrate that a lot into as we talk today, but we're also going to share some of the wisdom that you all, the listeners brought to us. We've got some amazing input for you. From you, the listeners, that I want to share, we're going to go through as much of that as we can get through, and then we're going to wrap up with five what I think are really important points that are solutions for how to deal with negativity if, in fact, it is your spouse. So anyway, Joanne and I have been pouring through the responses. We're going to be sharing our own insights, but I want to welcome into the studio today and to the podcast my wife, Joanne. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I'm trying to decide if you brought me in because you think I'm the negative spouse, or perhaps I'm the positive spouse and you're the negative one. Well, there you go. Maybe by the end of the podcast, people will make their own conclusions. Well, I think that uh, they'll, yeah, probably come to an exact opinion of how (laughs) we've managed to live together for 47 years. Well... When I shared about this, I said, you know, some of you may be hearing, these are maybe some of the things that you hear from the person you live with. We can't afford to take a risk right now. We don't have the money. You don't have the time. It can't be done like that. Somebody else is already doing that. You don't know where to begin. Better be safe than sorry. You're not that good. Callie, you've failed in your last three ideas. Why would this one be any different? You're just a dreamer, not a doer. You don't have the credentials. You're not a leader. You can't compete with Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Dan Miller. You're too old. You're too young. You don't have the right degrees. Well, we are very aware that sometimes it's the people closest to us that want us to stay as we are. And I just think about that. I mean, if you've been married for a few years, you married a particular person, it may be a little intimidating to have that person change. And if you knew what you were getting into, sometimes the safest route is just to keep things as they are. Now, we heard from a whole lot of people who recognize that either they or their spouse has been changing. And sometimes that change itself can be a little intimidating. I wanted to talk a little bit about Joanne and me right before we start here about our differing personality styles. Now, Joanne, I know that you you brought that up really quickly. It may just be a difference in personality styles. Talk about that a little bit. I think that uh, a personality style definitely enters into this concept because I know that for me, I have a tendency to be what I call a little more of a realist, and you're a dreamer. And our personality styles, if you look at a DISC profile, are total opposites of one another. But in 
in that, I have learned to be more, I, I think, you know, we, you, you hear the cliche that after you've been married for a few years, you start to uh, mimic one another and you could be kind of uh, mesh a little bit. So even that your dogs I, start to yeah, look like you, don't they? Yeah, even your dog starts to look We've like We've heard you. that. But, uh, and I, I'm not saying we look so much alike, but I am saying that I do believe that a lot of the real outgoing, positive dreamer personality has infiltrated my own beliefs and my own speaking, my own self-talk, and vice versa. I think you've learned to recognize that sometimes you need to be a little practical and a little realistic and look at the facts. Um, so we've, I think, in some respects, melded a little bit together. However, I also think that we haven't tried to become one another, but to gain those parts of one another that help us to be a better person. I know without any doubt that I would have been more pessimistic, more quote unquote realistic into the, in the aspect that uh, I would have been more of a Debbie Downer at times than if I had just been left to myself and not been married to you. And, and I, I, I recognize that. But it is important what you're saying. Our goal has never been to make each other clones of each other. Exactly. We respect and value the differences in our personalities and how we see things. I need a real a reality check once in a while. Oh yeah. In the things that I'm doing. <laughs> I know that. So it's it's not a matter of okay, over the years we just become one person. We're still very very different in yes. our personalities. If people understand disc profile i'm extremely high in d and c which means very results oriented very task focused you're very high in i and s the two the the opposing two mm -hmm. and low in the ones where i'm high you're very relationship focused so where i'm out here you just get the job done you're always looking how do we value the relationship and that's true in how we deal with each other mm -hmm. and how we deal with other people definitely now just i know you've got some kind of an opening well, thoughts here on yeah, this. Yes, I do because I I've really been thinking a lot about what causes someone to be that negative personality, and and certainly I draw from my own background because I I can see myself in some of these aspects. I think that often negativity um, is a result of low self esteem. It gives really being negative tends to give a false sense of power. And I see a lot of people who struggle with that. And I have in my, in my uh, growing up years myself had that low self-esteem where I felt like it gave me more power if I was negative um, and, and brought other people down. And I've seen that in so many people. Sometimes people are negative because they're really unable to show their true self because they don't know who that true self is. And I know that I've had a journey through the years of trying to find out my true self because of some of the background things, that some of my past, some of the baggage. We all bring baggage to the table when we get married. Uh, some of it is good baggage and some of it's bad baggage, some that we do not want to hang on to. But I know that as I have become more comfortable with who I am, the less negative I've become because I'm more confident in myself and in the world around me. Sometimes negativity comes from anger, hostility, and resentment that builds up from stuffing it. Uh, I think women are especially good at this. We stuff our feelings so much of the time that we then become angry and just the slightest little thing may set us off. We may be more negative because we have that angst, that anger, hostility inside. So my way of dealing with that as I've gotten more mature, I guess, in my own confidence in myself is to be more open about my feelings, discuss more what I'm feeling. And we, you and I have had a lot of talks about validation in that. I may have a feeling that you think is totally irrational, but that's still my feeling. So validate that's me right. in that. And I think it's important to recognize that. Um, another form of manipulation and negativity is being sarcastic and couching things, uh, your negativism under sarcasm or joking and laughing and thinking you can get by with it because it come acro comes across as a joke. Oh boy, I've seen that a lot. And it, I've seen it so much that it's, it really jumps out at me at this point. And, 
people think that just because they can make a joke out of something that's negative or even critical about somebody, uh, that it's okay. And that it won't hurt as much. And that it won't hurt as much. Yeah, we've got some great listener comments about that particular thing, about being sarcastic. Yeah. Where it really is a criticism. Yes, definitely. Uh, Another biggie, and I think we'll touch on this a little bit more, is just an innate distrust of others because they've been let down so many times in their own past. And so they've become very distrusting. And I think that plays into this quite a bit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. Now, we're talking kind of in generalities here. And and when you frame this in terms of somebody you meet at the grocery store, you know, that's one thing. But when we're talking about a spouse, it is really different. Mm -hmm. Now, when the, the things that you're talking about there, I mean, obviously, one solution is just to walk away from that person. But that's easier said than done. I mean, you can walk away from the the lady at the dry cleaning counter or mm-hmm. the waitress or, you know, the airline agent with a bad attitude, but we don't walk away from a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a colleague, or even, even close friends. So a more practical approach to dealing with that is to start understanding the reasons for their negativity. And usually negativity has its roots in a couple different kind of deep-seated fears. I mean, the fear of being disrespected by others, the fear of not being loved, the fear that bad things are going to happen. I mean, these fears feed off each other to fuel the belief that the world is a dangerous place and people are generally mean. These things compound when somebody is fearful that comes out in negativity and lack of support and encouragement for other people. But yeah, it's that, that's that desire to control like you were talking about. Now in all of these things, negativity, there's a tendency to blame external factors, other people, the environment or luck rather than oneself for the negative attitudes. Thus negative people tend to think, you know, if only people realize my true worth, if only people were nicer and the world wasn't so full of danger, If only my friends, relatives, and colleagues behaved like I want them to, then I'd be happy. So that's a big issue, too. The more you accept personal responsibility, the more negativity subsides. Don't you think that negativity often goes hand-in-hand with victimization? Uh, Victims are often, uh, people who are often negative feel that they are the victim of life. Their circumstances take control of them. And they often are not really in tune with uh, anybody else around them. It's a very self-centered kind of, uh, of emotion. Kelly, it is. I mean, really, negativity is usually kind of a thinly disguised cry for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, negative people do themselves no favors by being needy and controlling. They'd be far more successful in getting the respect, the love, and control they're looking for if they realized how self-defeating their negativity negativity and neediness and desire for control is. But that doesn't take away from the fact that negative people need to be helped through that. Again, when we're doing this, I mean, we don't want to point any fingers or make anybody feel guiltier than they already are, but we want to talk realistically about this issue. It is something that Joanne and I have addressed very directly in our marriage of over 47 years now. So we've been dealing with this a long time. Again, don't think that... Gee, we're just real privileged and we live lives of leisure and we're both born with a silver spoon in our mouths. No, we came into this marriage very young, very immature and from very dysfunctional backgrounds, both of us. So we've had to work through recognizing our differences, how we approach things very differently over the years. And yet we have an amazing relationship this year that um, we this year, this at this season of our life, so hopefully for the years to come. <laughs> this year, all the rest of them were really bad. <laughs> no, but it's matured into a relationship that we are very comfortable in. And we get a lot of people looking at us, asking us questions at this point. So we're delighted to share. I don't want it to sound too like that we've never had arguments about this or that we've never, never had some very intense discussions about this. Because there have been many times throughout the years, especially earlier in our marriage, where I felt like, look, you need to listen to, the, to me, at, listen to the facts, look at the facts, recognize this is the realism of what, what we might be doing or what, we, what decision you're making and that kind of thing. And yet, 
you were resistant in doing that. So this is something where we've had to really listen, compromise, understand each other. It takes work. Just as in any part of a relationship, it takes work even in this area. Just because you have a negative negative attitude doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready for a mental hospital, but it just takes some redirecting, and I hope that maybe we can cover enough issues in this podcast that people will see some ways that they can check themselves when they're thinking negative. Yeah, we're very optimistic about the solutions that are possible for any relationship. And in as much as it's easy for me to say, hey, just stay away from negative people. And believe me, I I pretty much do that. But um, Yeah, you live in a vacuum. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, there are people where you would think, well, I need to be friends with that person. I mean, even some relatives that I just choose not to be around because I don't want to spend my time with negative people. But I'm certainly not recommending and would never consider walking away from you as my wife there, it's worth the investment of time, knowing that we're different, we see things there, but it's worth the investment of time to make it work. And Absolutely. that's really what we want to share. Absolutely. Now, we, have, we got lots and lots of input from you, the listeners, and uh, thank you so much for that. This is one of those times where I'm not going to share names. A lot of you, I, I promised that I would not do that. So we'll not share names, except in a couple specific cases where we've talked to the people individually about this, and they're okay with that. But for the most part, even though your comments are brilliant, and I'd love to give you credit for it, we're not going to be sharing names. So this comes from a listener. While this topic really hits close to home, first of be clear, my lovely, wonderful, fabulous wife is absolutely not a negative person. She is, however, very different from me, and this has caused some tension over the past few years. Now, this listener went on to list five points. Can you look each other in the eye and say, I love you and I'm committed to you? I, he's got a more explanation here. Again, the things we've got back would, could create a book. We could probably create an ebook on this, but we're going to go through just some brief points here. His second point, are you running to something or from something? Your spouse should know you better than anyone else. They can tell you if you're just running away from your current situation or really have a plan for the future. Number three, take an honest assessment. I'm sure you have great dreams and I want you to succeed, but the world is filled with dreamers. Do you have a track record of doing rather than just dreaming. If you're 50 years old and have never made more than $30,000 a year and you're trying to convince your spouse that you're going to make 300000 next year, it's reasonable for them to have some doubts. What are some other areas of your life that you've been able to make similar advancements? I think that's a really important point. I think I could write a book about that uh, particular issue. <laughs> well, I love that. You know, I love big dreams, as you know. and We yes. encourage people to dream big. But when they talk about going from something to going to 100 times that, yeah, we have to be realistic. That's probably not an approachable progression over a short period of time. Can you get in the game and double and triple the success you've had? Yeah, we've seen that happen time and time again. And personally, you know, one of my big things this year has been 10x. How can you 10 times your success? And we've seen a whole lot of examples of that. But you need to be realistic. Well, number four here is while you're making assessments, look at your whole life, financial, career, personal, spiritual, fitness, family, et cetera. What does the rest of your life look like? Um, And that's an important point as well. Success doesn't, is not defined just by how much money you make. So success in those other areas, like I lay out so clearly in 48 days to the work you love, very, very important. And then number five, yes, consider investing in the relationship. This may be a good time to work with a professional coach to help you understand each other, develop a plan that gives each of you confidence that it will succeed. Now, I'm going to go on. Uh, Joanne, I know that you had some things that you had put together as well on this. Yes, I think that a lot of times the people that you're speaking to, your audience, are uh, entrepreneurs. And because of that, there is an added fear element, I believe, in uh, being negative or positive or actually surviving all the ups and downs and upheavals that bring along that insecure feeling that comes with starting an entrepreneurial lifestyle. And so several things that I've put together that I felt were really important. If you're dealing with a spouse who is thinking about making a career change or changing from a regular J-O-B to a, an entrepreneurial lifestyle, I think it's important to note these things. 
One is you'd better be ready to present a good business plan with realistic projections and be able to tell that spouse what that business plan is in a way that she or he understands. You'd better be willing to talk through her fears, concerns, and initial shock, validating her and not ridiculing. And that's important, really validating the fact that she does have feelings about this. She may be insecure. She may be feeling fearful. She may be feeling um, like her, her whole world is coming apart. Validate that. You may think it's ridiculous. You better not say that. Belittling and accusing her of not trusting you is not the way to win her approval or her support. You'd better not quit your real job until you feel your spouse is comfortable with moving ahead. And you better have some traction and income before you start a new business. I think that's really important. And it uh, something else that I've really uh, I've pointed out a lot to to young couples is that both of you are capable of making an income. You're probably not going to starve and be homeless. But it's still important to have some kind of a, a, a transition or some kind of a way to get from point A to point B without feeling like your family is going to fall apart and you're going to not be able to, you're going to live on beans and rice. You'd better be ready to communicate your desires in a way that includes her. Knowing what's going on is very important to a spouse who may be timid about what's happening in the future. Knowing what's happening, even when it may not be good news, is better than being left in the dark and speculating disaster. That's a really important point. It, it's kind of like, it, it's analogous to going to the doctor, having some major tests done, and you're sitting and waiting for the results. And even if the results are not good, at least you know what they are. You have something to work with. You have a, a, a point to start from to go further. And I think that's really important to communicate what's going on, good, bad, or indifferent. And you'd better allay her fear, fears concerning how the bills are going to be paid but perhaps assuring her that you won't quit your real job until you have sufficient income coming in uh, or that you will have a large enough savings account or something to get you through those lean times because it takes some time to build a new business or to start a new job where you're going to be uh, having an income coming in. Go slowly, plan carefully, include your spouse if appropriate, but don't force that spouse to fill positions that need to be filled just because she's there or he's there. Sometimes it can be in reverse, but if they're Ill, uh, not well suited or that person dislikes what it is that they may have to do, it isn't a workable plan. So don't just use your spouse to fill in those spots. And most importantly, if your spouse is in total disagreement, pull the plug. Stop. Don't go any further. It may not be the right timing. There may be other issues behind this. Recognize that lack of uh, spousal support often is indicative of other areas in your life you need to work on before you get to this point. So recognize that timing is of the essence in this in these decisions. We had a lot of listeners that talked about trust. There has to be trust in a relationship. And and I heard probably from as many wives who have negative husbands as I did from husbands who have negative wives. Mm-hmm. So the things that you're saying could easily be reversed. Definitely. We, we hear from a lot of women who are more entrepreneurial, who have big dreams, who want to do things that to their husbands appear risky. So the genders can be changed interchangeably here as we talk about any of this. Well, I came up with these particular points from my perspective. These were things that I dealt with through the years, living the Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial life, being the wife. And I think that definitely it can go either way. Although my slant was obviously more towards. Yeah, and we could easily invite in a guest couple where the genders are reversed. Exactly. Where it is the wife who has taken more of the path that I've chosen to take over the years. Yes. And a husband is more like you, more security conscious and wanting to be realistic not take risk and so yes, on. Yes, absolutely. So it goes either way. Just our, our particular, you know, people can kind of 
pick up on our particular perspectives really quickly here. But trust was a really big issue. Uh, somebody said, um, if you you know don't have trust, then your business idea is just more white noise to her. If the kids are screaming, the laundry's not done, the house is a mess. If you want your wife on board, you need to become a servant leader in your house, both helping meet her needs for a clean house, clean clothes, well-behaved kids. You have to motivate uh, your cute but clever kids to get off the social media, turn off the iPhone, help with what I call the chores of life. You also have to show her a reasonable pathway to get to success. Why should she trust you if you cannot show her how you and she will keep the house, feed the kids, pay the mortgage, insurance, utilities, and water while you keep the water on while you chase your dreams? Sure, you're negative. You're telling her you want to go on a quest while things may be or could be falling apart at home. If you love her and the kids and you can't just have a dream, you need to have a well-articulated plan that provides stability to you and your family where you can get the business bootstrapped. Now, I've also got somebody here who talked about the fact that you may have to just put your dreams on hold while you have kids that are at home. Kids, But, but here's the deal with that, and I, I kind of challenge that because I've never been patient enough to wait until everyone else's dreams are fulfilled before starting to my own. So I look for and solutions rather than either or. I mean, I've moved ahead on my own dreams, even when parts of my life were a mess or when we were in challenging situations. It's really been moving forward with my dreams that allowed us to get out of some of the challenging situations we were in. So it wasn't a matter of just pulling back in, being realistic until things get better. Sometimes the only way things can get better is by moving ahead with those big ideas, but there has to be that kind of support nonetheless. And also we did a lot through the years of including our children. I I recently heard from our oldest son who said that one of the things he so respected about our home all the all the years that he was at home was that we included him as an equal part in helping to start businesses and to get um, into situ- getting in and out of situations that we felt affected our family. He was a part of that. And I think it's important to not just shield children from that. We had our kids doing all kinds of things with us. And consequently, they've all three grown up to be entrepreneurs, but they've also, they're very positive oriented because we included them and we made them feel very respected and that their opinions mattered. Yeah, absolutely. They knew what was going on. Somebody says, most of the time, the entrepreneur needs to listen to the input of his or her spouse, even if it's difficult or seems illogical. My husband and I don't move forward on anything until we are in agreement. And many times it's just a timing issue. I have a couple of friends. Now, this this is pretty interesting here. We're going to unpack this a little bit. I have a couple of friends, this listener says, with husbands who did not listen to their wives about business matters, and they ended up declaring bankruptcy as a result. Now, I wrote back to that listener and I said, there's a lot of complexities in these situations. What if the spouse would have been supportive? Would the result have been different? Now, when you think about that, she's saying they didn't listen to the negative spouse and ended up filing bankruptcy. And I'm saying, okay, I understand that. And that may have been good judgment and good advice, but there's also that subtle little idea there. What if the spouse would have been supportive? It's hard for any spouse to be successful in any endeavor, be that doing the laundry or having a new job or starting a business without the support of a spouse. What if the spouse would have been supportive? Would the results have been different? Well, let me put another twist to that. We were in a situation 25, six years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, where Oh, actually more than that, about 30 years ago when you bought a health and fitness center and I advised you not to do that. You came home and told me that this was for sale. A friend was selling it and you thought it was a great thing for you to get into. We already had a business that was quite successful. We were doing fine. Everything was going along fine. And of course, me with my personality, I think if it isn't broken, let's just don't break it. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, here's another idea. Let's go in this direction. And I'm putting, I'm trying to put the skids on that. We talked about it. We talked about it a lot. You were able to convince me because of your excitement and your enthusiasm that we should go through with this. And I, being 
the de- I desired to be supportive of whatever you're doing. And so I said, all right, I'll be there for you. If you really feel that strongly about it, I will be there. I'll be behind you all the way. How many years later? Four years later? Four years later. Four years later, the whole thing went up in smoke. For a, a, We won't, don't need to go in through all the details, but we lost the business. We lost the house, our house that I loved, a new house, the only new house we'd ever had. It was great. Lost our house, lost our cars, lost all of our stuff. Now, we were able to survive all of that because we learned real quickly what really is most important. People, I, I, I ask people all the time, what's the worst that can happen? Almost always they'll say, oh, we could lose our house. We can't, you know, we can't pay our bills. We, we would lose our stuff. Trust me, those are so easily replaced. What isn't easily replaced is a broken relationship. And that never happened with us. Even though you had advised me against it, I went ahead Seven Kicked banks, down a lot of doors. <laughs> seven banks that I went to also said no. And I said, you guys are nuts. I'll do it anyway, which I did. But now here's the rest of the story with that. So in that case, you advised me against it. Yes. I went ahead anyway. You were supportive. You didn't stand on the sidelines and criticize me. You were supportive, even though you thought it was a dumb idea from the start. And the ultimate outcome we lost a whole lot of stuff. I put us in a really, really tough situation that it took a whole a lot of time to recover from. The question is, was that a failure? Should we have never gone through that? It was the most amazing education we could have ever gotten. Now, let me tell you, I don't want to go through it again. And I didn't see that at the time. I do remember saying, oh, Lord, what am I going to learn from this? What do I need to learn? How can I grow from this? while trying to avoid creditors and all the disaster that was befalling us at that time. But I look back now, and having that happen to us threw us into a situation where we came to the Nashville area. We started teaching a Sunday school class on career life issues. Go to, go figure. I have no idea exactly why we chose that. It's just that it, it fell in our well, laps. we often teach best what we're learning oh, at a particular exactly. time. And that was true for us. And that class grew and grew and grew. That class led to, ultimately, to you writing your first book. Be- what was the name <laughs> of your first book? <laughs> 48, 48 Days to, to the, the Work You, you Love. Seriously, we had never considered... That experience led to everything that we're doing Everything. Today. All of the books you have written, all of the coaching you have done, all of the speaking, all of the things that you have done, all the things that I have done. Right. We are not even the same person, we people we were back then. And all of that was a result of the education we got through that experience. So was that a failure? Uh-huh. The $64,000 question. No, it was an education in my book. I don't, again, I don't want to go through it again, but I learned a lot from it. And that's, I'm so glad to have had the experience. That's one of, well, I appreciate you saying that. Obviously, I know that was a tough time, but that's one of the really important points here. And one of the things we're going to have in our wrap up is that sometimes what looks like a failure is exactly the step that is required for your ultimate success. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a lot of input about security. Here's somebody says, no psychologist am I, but men and women are often at odds because of their self needs. Near the top of the list for women is security. The man seeking to launch his dream may simply come across to his wife as doing something completely at odds with her desire for security. I'm also sure the roles may occasionally be reversed among men and women. Perhaps a woman has a dream. A dream pursued is fraught with uncertainty. Uncertainty and security are simply not good bedfellows. Profess your never-ending undying love for your spouse. What you see as negativity may simply be insecurity manifesting itself. And that's a, that's a really great framing of that. I love that input mm-hmm. from, from that listener. And, and we've seen that with you. I mean, you would have been happy if I would have taken a job you know, working on the assembly line at General Motors when we got married and stayed there for 35 years leading up to a normal retirement. Now, unfortunately, you realize that that prospect makes me want to throw up. And because of that, I mean, I know I've taken you on a wild ride of experimenting, risking, experiencing the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. 
But ultimately, the victories outweigh the defeats, and we both love the life we have today. And your willingness to support me unconditionally at many times overrode your desire for security. Most definitely. You know, Helen Keller said that security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Helen Keller said that, and she certainly had her own trials. Oh, my stars, the things that I have learned along the way of this adventure— I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it now for anything. I, it has made me a very different person. And I think that that's important to recognize that life is an adventure. So look at everything that comes along the way in that light. You will look at it differently. You'll see it with new eyes. You won't just be stuck in the negativity, negativity of it. We had so many great input on this issue of security. Here somebody says, um, for the past year, I've been exploring what God has been calling me to do. During the process, you've been instrumental virtual coach. I started a window cleaning business last year after listening to your 48 Days book. I'm on pace to have hundred dollars to $150,000 in revenue in my second year. I still laugh at this former pastor starting a business, a window cleaning business. Pretty comical to me. And he goes on, but he says, the real reason I'm writing is... You spoke on a topic that's been pressing me for the past couple of months, spouses, specifically wives, support for entrepreneurs. And she says, I love when you said that you have to ask Joanne about this topic. I did the same thing two weeks ago with my wife, he says. And I asked my wife, he says, what did I do that helped you be supportive during our recent adventure to start business? Like you, Dan, my wife is incredibly supportive and encouraging. Either we are simply blessed by God's grace to give us incredible wives, which I'm not dismissing, or there's a common denominator of husbands. Was there something we did? It takes two to tango. But he says, my best answer, security. We know that our wives see security as one of their top necessities in a marriage. Uh, nearly one year ago, I, my wife and I had a conversation. I told my wife I was failing her as a husband and dad. She was confused. I told her plainly, I'm not making enough money to survive. She surprisingly asked me if I was blind. She told me to look at our kids, look at our marriage, look at our family. She said, you've provided for our family in more ways than you can ever imagine. And he says, I I have to be missing something in translation here. Wait, security goes beyond money? Not for many men, though. While we see dollars in the simple aspects of security, our wives see the spiritual side of security. And he goes on from there, which is a really great overview. It was an amazing response to this subject because... It's, it points out that security is far more than money. And really, like I said earlier, money is the easiest to replace. Those things, those stuff that we think we have to have, all of those things are so much more easier to replace than having a poor relationship. And he's saying uh, that, that that security in the relationship and in the in the way that, that, that he has interacted with his wife, she's seen that. That's a wise person. Now, this comes from a female listener. Having been the negative spouse, I can say that the negativity is born out of fear primarily. That and the fear of being powerless in circumstances that are beyond our control. Having been through a business failure, foreclosure, and near bankruptcy— when we went through it, not only was there the fear of what tomorrow might bring with little to no income, I also felt angry and powerless. She says she hadn't been involved in the business. I didn't do anything wrong. Why was this happening? I didn't want to live through that again under any circumstances. So I can say that fear is the first thing that rears up every time my husband voices a creative idea to create our own income or product. It's the fear of being powerless while other people decide what can happen to our income, home, and future if it fails. It's the fear of not being able to provide for our family. And then she says this, it's the fear of being humiliated and exposed as a failure publicly. Boy, I've got a story on that one. When we lost the health club and we ended up in such turmoil and chaos and debt, a mountain of debt, you at that time had been the leader of the the president or whatever of the small business development center in the 
Better Business Bureau there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Through the Chamber of Commerce. Through the Chamber uh-huh. of Commerce. And you took that very seriously. I did. But when you lost the health club and you had such a disaster and it ended up in such trouble, you went to them and said... The next morning. Yeah. You said, I don't need to be doing this anymore. I need to resign. And they, of course, they asked why. And you said, because of this, this, and this, that it just had happened and told them. And they said, no way. Now you are better able to lead others and to be real with others than you've ever been in the past. And we've seen that to be true. My gosh, the things that we've learned through our disaster, quote unquote, have helped tremendous amounts of people. And I think that it's important to recognize that you, your fears of being humiliated are often so unfounded. Another, another aspect to that was we were, going, we were very involved in a church and we're leading a, a large adult Sunday school class. And every Sunday after that, the, last, the, the next few Sundays, you would go and, hi, how are you? You know, everybody greets you. How's everything? Oh, it's fine. Everything's great. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Seriously? Everything's great. We are going to hell in a handbasket fast. And um, I'm, I'm trying to get through all the uh, f- uh, fear and feelings of insecurity that I was having at that point. And I talked to you about that. I said, Dan, how can you go into Sunday school class in a church setting and stand there and se- tell everybody everything's great? You're doing fine. Life is hunky-dory. I don't think so. I said, you need to be real with these people and tell them what's happening. But that would be public humiliation. Yes, which I think is very difficult, especially for men. I think women can do this more easily because we'll commiserate with one another. But a man, uh uh-uh. But you did that. And it took it took a lot for you to do that. But you went in there in uh, one Sunday morning, and you shared with exactly what happened with everybody in that class, the way people rallied around us, the support that we got, the 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 help that we got, the encouragement we got, really buoyed us through that time, helped us to get through that in a way that I don't think we could have otherwise. It's a lot easier to be on the giving side than on the receiving side. Certainly it is. You know, it really boosts your ego to be able to give and help others. But to be in a position where you need help, Mm -hmm. encouragement and support, that is an humbling experience. Mm -hmm. And it did that for us. Certainly did. But through that, it taught us. And it also, we realized later, we had a lot of people who told us, we were watching you through that period of time to see how you were going to respond, to see if you were going to be angry and blame others. And, and we never did that. I mean, the, the morning, next morning after I realized we were $430,000 in debt, uh, the things that needed to be taken care of, I looked, I didn't point fingers. Gee, the banking has changed. I didn't point fingers at customers, the government, nothing. I looked at the guy in the mirror and said, okay, big guy, you got us into this. What are you going to do to get us out? And my I responsibility. that a few times in my head, but <laughs> I did not say, I told you so. That is not helpful in times like this. I did, um, I did think it a few times, but I certainly wasn't going to voice it. Well, some of the other comments we're getting is, you know, what if we lose everything again? I don't want to start over. What if mm-hmm. it doesn't work? What if we sink all this time and money and have nothing to show? What if we lose it all? And this time we have the children. What would failure do to them? Well, we lived through all of those things mm-hmm. and realized, hey, you can survive. And really, in, as you've so clearly kind of identified, going through that, is a lot of what equipped us to do what we do today. Not only mm-hmm. to recover ourselves personally, but be able to encourage a whole lot of other people who are going through challenging times. I also think it helped to equip our children. Absolutely. I think they saw in us that they were, they were not given everything. We had to scrimp and work hard for every dime we made. And life wasn't just easy. And I have had them say as adults, I'm glad we had those experiences because it helped me to be more respectful of everything and also to look at life uh, not feeling like I'm in, um, entitled to everything. And I think it was very helpful even for our children to experience all of that. Yeah. Here's a mo- another comment. So we try to talk through things. It's amazing how ridiculous my unvoiced fears sound once they've been spoken aloud. 
Sometimes that's all I need to move past my vague fears is to say them aloud, then realize that once they've been given names and shapes, they're not that big. And my husband has learned not to call any fear ridiculous, since to me it's not, but to let me talk it out. Very important. I have a real thing about being validated. If I have a feeling, it may be real. It may be ridiculous. But if Dan's thinking this is ridiculous, I don't want him to voice it. I want him to say, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Let's talk this through. And so that's a very important uh, point. She did a good job uh, in some of the things that she had to say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let me move on here to some other things. So he says, this may be a contrarian point of view, but it's entirely possible that the person married a negative person. This is a really interesting approach that the person married a negative person in order to have an excuse not to launch. Presumably the couple talked about things during their courtship, like hopes, dreams, and expectations. If at that point, when everything was theoretical, the negative person expressed his or her goal to play things safe, just get a good job, stick with the known and get your 25 years in so you can get a pension and the partner still believed this was the ideal mate, it may have been because he or she confirmed that person's self-image and expectations about pursuing those dreams. The challenge comes when one person outgrows his or her fears, but the other person doesn't. I love that. This is a theory that really cuts deeply, and I suspect that it may be true in a lot of cases. But as this listener says, you know, the challenge comes when one person grows and changes and the other does not. Now, you and I are not the people we were when we got married. Not at all. We aren't I, even the peop- same people that we were 20 years ago. That's right. I think we have to recognize change is inevitable. And we have to be willing to embrace it in ourselves and in our spouses. But that's an interesting theory that a person may marry somebody who's negative to give them an excuse to play small mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. All right, here somebody says, our pastor recently said in a sermon, avoid negative people like the plague. I wanted to go up to him afterward and ask, what if you can't get away from them because you're married to one? This has stumped me for years. It's a sad situation, but I try to limit my time at home and spend as much time as possible with positive people and reading positive books, audio tapes, and so on to counteract the negativity. When I'm home, I try to redirect the conversation to something positive. Even though I've made money in every business or real estate investment I've ever done, except one, the first response is always negative. What if the dollar crashes? What if ISIS attacks? What if interest rates go up? What if there's another correction in the stock or real estate market? Of course, it almost never happens, but her fears are very dismotivating. I have a good friend, Gail Hyatt. She taught me something, a principle that I have passed on to many people. She <laughs> yep. says, wait to worry. Now think about it. How many things do you take time to worry about and expend all that negative energy worrying and it never comes to fruition? It happens often. And so I have learned to wait to worry. Why worry about something now that might happen along the way unless it really does happen? Then I have an excuse to worry. Wait to worry. I think it's important. Another thing I would say to this person is bring, take your spouse to some conferences. We have had so many people come to our events here at the sanctuary, and they have brought their spouses, sometimes just kind of dragged them along because they were uh, negative about where they were in life. They weren't very supportive of their of their spouse that was wanting to to move ahead. Uh, whatever it may be, but they've come along just to see what's going on out of curiosity. I can't tell you how many times those spouses who have just come along for the ride have started their own business, written their own books, have done all kinds of amazing things. The least that usually happens is that they all of a sudden see things from different angles, from a different perspective, and they become excited about what their spouse is doing and much more supportive. So I would say, drag that spouse along. You did that with me. I don't know how many conferences and events that I went to with you before I ever started writing my own books, doing my things where I'm speaking to people and helping you with podcasts and things like that. And it's given me a lot more insight into a much more glorious and adventurous life. Well, good. Do I sound like Pollyanna? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting to hear us 
you know, with years of experience together to be able to reflect back. But I remember those early years when I wanted to go see Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy, all those early. You can't help but get excited when you see people like and that. I, and I'd have you come along and say, hey, just come along. We're going to help at the product table. That way we'll just get to hear these guys and right. it'll be a fun experience. So you just kind of vicariously started hearing all that information and it did seep it in. It took. And we, well, we, we do have a lot, of, a lot of really fun examples about people who have come here with a spouse who was just being reluctantly supportive, but it unleashed their own dreams That's right. to do something more. Now, Mike Galvin shared, and he's okay with us talking about this because Mike and Kim are friends of ours, and we sit down and we've talked a lot about this, but he talks about uh, there is most likely a fear issue with the negative spouse when I began my real estate investing my spouse was very negative about it. Too risky, too many potential problems. What if we failed? What if we lose money? We talked about the issues, decided together to base our decision to move forward on facts and not fears. If there was an issue we were not sure about, we consulted with experts to get the facts. The bigger relational issue between spouses with negativity is dealt with by communicating with an attitude of mutual respect and love and striving to understand rather than demand. And he says, by the way, my spouse is currently the top 1% of all real estate brokers for her company, which is the largest private real estate brokerage in Chicago. I applaud her for not letting fear and negativity hinder her success. And, and there, you know, we love Mike and Kim. Yes. Uh, talk with them often, see them when we go to Chicago. Mike got involved in real estate and Mike's very conservative. He's not just a jump out there impulsive kind of guy at all. He had a job for like 30 years before he retired. But he moved into real estate slowly. Kim did have some reservations. But because he was so thorough about explaining to her what they were going to do, not doing big risky things, she saw the success, the thrill of what they were doing. She got involved in real estate and rocketed to the top as a personal agent herself. It's a great success story. It really is. Well, here's somebody says many times their negativity comes from disappointment with themselves others in or life in general. Communication is key in being honest with one another about the disappointments. If you've let them down in the past, then apologize. Negativity is a symptom of a bigger root problem. And sometimes it takes some digging to get to the root. If their negativity is only toward you, then there is most likely hurt, anger, unforgiveness, or some heart issue with you that should be dealt with. Beyond communication, you may, you may need to get counseling. That's a really good insight. And comment. You know, sometimes that negativity certainly is a symptom of a bigger problem. Now, this comes from uh, Tony and Alyssa DiLorenzo, who again are friends of ours. You know, we love their podcast, the work that they're doing. They do a podcast having to do with relationships. And he says that what they see over the years, what we've seen is that a negative spouse is one where there is a lack of emotional intimacy in the marriage. That is that the husband and wife have a closeness created through a sharing of feelings, thoughts, and desires. Each partner has to be honest, first with themselves regarding these, and then have the ability to express them to the spouse. I would think that many couples who face this when it comes to starting their dream position, a side hustle business, or stepping up to transform their careers, is that one spouse is not fully opening up emotionally to their spouse. Now, they go through, they actually have a book, uh, Connect Like You Did When You First Met, 101 Proven Questions for Couples. That's Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo. We value their work and certainly appreciate their input here. We've, what we find is that couples who are willing to take action and grow their marriage in this area will see success. Marriage is a journey, one in which love can overcome a negative spouse. That's from Tony DiLorenzo. Yeah, well, you know, we heard from a lot of counselors and therapists in getting the feedback here who go through and see, recognize these these consistent issues. It's not really all over the board. There's some key things here, fear, distrust, having been taken advantage of in the past, not being emotionally open issues of security. I mean, those are all things that need to be addressed. Um, just a few more here. And I know we're going to go a little bit over my normal 48 minutes, but we're just going to go ahead with that. So this one may be a little longer than usual. But we're going to go ahead and address so we can get to our wrap-up points for sure. Here's somebody says, this is a topic I deal with every day. In discussing this with somebody, I realize that what really drains me is my anger with him for being so negative. In my case, angry. Okay, the spouse is not only negative, but angry. I don't get statements saying, saying I won't succeed, but rather something like, well, when she makes her first million, 
you know, which feels sarcastic. I suspect that there is envy that I have something that I'm passionate about and he doesn't. Wow. That's great. Now here's somebody else says, okay, I want to remain anonymous. This is kind of a a cute overlay of family traditions. I'm married to a negative person. His family is negative as well. If it rains on vacation, they say, well, it's just, you know, the Miller luck or whatever the last name may be. When something negative happens, for example, when my husband has just washed his car and someone's sprinklers were spraying in the street, he had to drive through them and say, well, that's just my luck. Bad luck follows me. (laughs) Well, she says, I'm of the glasses half full school of thought. I am a counselor. My parents told me I could do anything I put my mind to. My grandparents were all farmers and ranchers, which is what I call the original entrepreneur. They had to have faith to plant a crop and hope to make money from it months later. My parents opened a business and been running it for 35 years. I started a nonprofit and now a for-profit business. I'm an entrepreneur through and through. I don't have room to be negative. I also keep this thought in mind when I think about adding friends to my circle or spending my valuable time with others. The five people you spend the most time with make up who you are. Um, she talks about the, there's some coping skills I've created. I believe God will bless my efforts of working to have a good marriage and not hiding from my negative husband. So number one, I'm positive around him and the kids. I'm modeling the behavior for him as he did. He didn't learn it from his family. Number two, I've turned the phrase Miller luck into a good thing. When something positive happens to our family, I say, well, we have the Miller luck. I plan on having a sign painted to hang up on St. Patrick's Day in our home to show how lucky of a family we are. I really believe we're blessed and has nothing to do with luck. When I'm feeling down, I go to others outside our family to let our other positive people fill me up. I'm careful in sharing the goals that I set with my husband or his family. He would be telling me all the obstacles that I couldn't overcome and why it wasn't worth it even to try. Well, she goes on and on with there. Just really a great example of what our expectations are. And there are people who just have negative expectations. And guess what? Bad things happen. There are people who expect good things to happen. And they do. And you do. (laughs) You sometimes... To the extent you always say you carry carry your sunshine inside you, and yeah, there were baby. times when I wanted to slap that sunshine out of you, because I, I you know, it, uh, like I said before, we are very different, and you sometimes are more positive than what I can possibly be. But it does it does lift me up. That what she what this lady had to say reminded me of of a motto that we had in our family all growing up, and we still do. And our kids will say this: We do not have a problem. We have an opportunity for a solution, and it gives you a whole different perspective. And we also use with, with them and these phrases they've they've repeated to their own <laughs> kids now. We are Americans, not Americans. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's somebody says my I viewed my wife as a naysayer. I heard only the negative words that changed when I embraced the philosophy that to be encouraged, I needed to be the encourager. Now my wife is way ahead of me in believing what we can do. Looking back, I was as negative as my wife. I chose different negative expressions. We both are becoming more intentional and building each other up and others. It's now overwhelming the possibilities of what we can do. You know, that, that's been a, a repeated theme in so many of the input that we got from people who said, you know, once I realized that my angry responses to the negativity was just fueling the negativity, mm-hmm. I need to just go ahead and be the encourager, set the example. You know, we have an example, a great example that I know you know well, of somebody who just wrote a book about this whole issue, who decided that he needed to change how he was behaving as a husband. He went home from one of our events here, just changed his behavior in 48 hours. He never said anything to his wife. He didn't say, gee, I'm going to be a better husband. He just changed the things he was doing around the house. Within 48 hours, she sat him down and says, what's wrong? What's going on? You know, you having an affair? What's up? <laughs> just, what's wrong with you? <laughs> just becoming Can an Can I encourager. give him a real plug for his book? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Pavlidis wrote the book, Confessions of a Terrible Husband. Confe- what was it? Confessions from a Lumpy Couch? Review Lessons from a, Learned. Lessons Learned from a Lumpy Couch. Oh, my stars. It is an excellent book for either gender to read. Very well done, and I commend Nick on what he's what he's done with that, and the fact that he took really took himself in check, seeing some of the negative things that he was doing that was destroying his family. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to just grab a couple more here, and we're going to circle around and wrap up. Give you five solutions. Recap. 
and bring this to a close. Here, somebody says, sometimes it's a supportive spouse that is the problem. Now, this is a really interesting twist. Very interesting twist. How, you ask, if you run into difficulties pursuing a difficult goal and you mention it, they will say, well, that's okay. You can do something else instead. (laughs) So as soon as you run into an obstacle while you're pursuing a goal, the supportive spouse being supportive says, well, just don't do that. Don't try so hard. Don't bust your butt. Just do something else. (laughs) Wow. So you need someone who will push you into saying it's difficult, but you can push through this. And this writer says, when my husband was working on his CPA, he got discouraged about midway through and wanted to quit. I reminded him that he had to get the continuing education anyway, one way or the other. He pushed on through and got it. It made a great difference in his profession. He's very supportive for my endeavors, but if I get discouraged, he often tells me it's okay not to continue to pursue that goal because I'm working on other things anyway. Okay, it may sound counterintuitive, but being supportive can be a barrier as well. Yeah, but I think that that's rare. <laughs> that's <laughs> An a really, interesting theory, but I think it's, it's more rare than what we've been talking about. It's a very <laughs> interesting twist. Well, one more. My spouse is a wonderful provider who loves me, but he seems to help everyone else launch their dreams but mine. If I give him a simple task like a spreadsheet, he may complete it about 60% of the time. Furthermore, if I try to explain to him my ideas, he spends inordinate amounts of time asking me questions, claiming he wants to understand, but does not. Then if I invest hours and hours to explain, he does not follow through with any agreed upon actions that would help me. (laughs) So he's treating her like a client rather than a spouse. Oh, that's something that I've um, had a little problem with sometimes in the past. I am not a client. I am your spouse. Not a counseling client. Don't need to lay down on the couch. This is a different kind of relationship. Well, we certainly agree that it is, and we value that. Now, certainly kind of the bottom line here is if you don't want your life to be messed up, don't spend time with those who have messed theirs up. And that can be challenging when it's family, when it's parents, siblings. You know, a lot of times siblings are, are the ones who are saying, ah, you can't do that. They're negative because they don't want your success to supersede their own. I mean, they don't want you to go on and be some shining star. It makes them look bad. So you you have to expect that people who know you best often are going to try to hold you back. And with the spouse, again, that's different. We think there are dynamics that can be done in that relationship to address that. Just make sure that if you have an unsupportive spouse, are there underlying issues here in your relationship? Really what it comes down to totally is the relationship that you have beneath all of the career issues or business issues or anything else that comes up. If you if you don't have that underlying respect and have laid that foundation of love, kindness, gentleness, understanding, trust, all of that, if you if that's not first and foremost, all of the negativity, all of the other things, fear, insecurity, all of those things are going to be more pronounced in any situation because you don't have that foundation and i know jared our son jared says all the time relationship relationships trump everything and and that's certainly been uh underlying in our marriage and in our family absolutely well i'm going to give a recap here we've got five points that joanna and i have talked about i'm going to go through those quickly and we'll just do a wrap up number one Now, these are solutions. We recognize that there are differences, but these are solutions to the kind of things that we've been talking about. Number one, recognize security is not just money in the bank. Emotional security includes affirmation, support, and encouragement. Number two, acknowledge different personality styles. There are not good or bad, right or wrong styles, just different. See the added value of having different perspectives. Number three, look for the fear behind the negativity. Have you let the person down at previous times? Number four, recognize not hitting a goal is not always failure. It may be the very step required for your ultimate success. And number five, listen more, talk less. Let your actions convince your spouse rather than your words. Well, we've covered a lot of territory, but what an exciting topic. Golly, again, thank you so much to all of our listeners you all out there who submitted your wisdom and for those of you who are just listening i hope this has been encouraging you know this is not a a deal breaker i hope this has been encouraging to recognize 
Hey, it's another fun challenge. I mean, anything that is worthwhile is a challenge and doesn't come easily. And if you want a strong marriage relationship, invest the time and energy to make it so. You had some amazing responses from people who gave a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight. And yeah, thank you, everyone, for all of the uh, comments and uh, the examples that you gave, because it, it really is a topic that needs to be addressed. Well, again, it's been exciting addressing one theme in this uh, unique edition of 48 Days Online Radio. I will have the five solutions that we suggested in the show notes on our website. So if you go to 48days.com, look at the podcast for this particular episode, you'll see the five solutions there that we've suggested. And we're going to end this today with a little bit different outro. You know our usual outro, the 48 Days song, but we got a little different one here based on the theme. It was something Joanne suggested. You want to set it up? You want to tell them what we're going to listen to as we go out today? Well, I've always loved the movie Annie. And of course, it was just uh, released, re-released again, just, um, it was just in the theaters just a few months ago, I think. And uh, the the song that Annie sings about the sun will come out tomorrow, I think is very appropriate for this, because sometimes when we're feeling our worst, feeling our saddest, feeling the most negative, We just have to recognize the sun will come out tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for being part of this amazing community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work and life that we love. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow. Till there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick on my chin.